Thank you for tuning in to the Lakewood Grace Podcast. We're a church in Lakewood, Washington, and whether you're listening from around the corner or from around the world, we're glad that you're here. We hope this sermon equips you to be the Christian the world needs today. If you'd like to learn more about us, head on over to lakewoodgrace.com. And now, for this week's sermon. Wow, from us, from Little Church, that's really nice to see so many children. Today's scripture reading is from Matthew 3, verses 1 through 12. John the Baptist prepares the way. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who has spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and honey, wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all of Judea and the whole region of Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor, gather his wheat into the barn, and burn up the chafe with his unquenchable fire. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Phil. All right. Whoop! Hey, I don't always start my sermons with a whoop, but when I do, there it is. Now, if you didn't get that, it's okay. It's a generational thing. What is up with these Advent readings? Huh? I mean, there's enough bad news in the world. We didn't, we didn't need to come to church to hear more bad news. We need some good news. You know, some good news that can take our minds off of all the, all the cruddy stuff happening around the world. And it's not just the world, it's our personal lives too. There's cancer, there's disease, there's hardship. And you know, Christmas is the season of the year for a couple of years, we can pretend things are okay. Where for a couple of years or a couple of weeks, we can pretend that everyone's nice. You know, more warm fuzzies. Let's talk about silver bells. Silver bells. It's Christmas time in the city. 
Or how about this? I've been dreaming of a white Christmas, just like the ones I used to know. Hey, he's making a list. He's checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty or nice. What comes next? Santa Claus is coming to town, right? Don't you feel better already? But what's up with these readings for the second Sunday of Advent? And, you know, what's interesting is the theme of the second Sunday of Advent is love. And so for the longest time, I'm looking at these texts going, God, how are these words loving? you got to be kidding me. How are these words kind and, and doesn't seem to fit the whole Christmas atmosphere at all? The words, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? God telling the prophet Isaiah, declare until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitants, until the houses are left deserted and fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone away and the land is utterly forsaken. Gee, Merry Christmas. How is this kind? How is this loving? You know, the hymn we sang is many people's favorite hymns. I mean, how could you not like this hymn? Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you leave me. I will hold your people in my heart. That's so nice. And it's a favorite hymn for good reason. Such a fantastic, sweet melody. Such sweet sentiments. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Send me. But... Have you ever read the rest of Isaiah 6 where this hymn comes from? Do you know what God tells Isaiah to declare in Isaiah 6? Listen. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. And then God said, go and tell this people, be ever seeing, be ever hearing, but never understanding, be ever seeing, but never perceiving, make the heart of this people callous, make their ears dull, close their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And when Isaiah finds out what God wants him to declare, Isaiah asks God, For how long, Lord? This is kind of a cruddy message. How long am I supposed to declare this message? And God declares 
God answers by saying, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitants, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and the oak leave stumps, leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be a stump in the land. Goodness gracious, did you know every time you were singing this hymn, you were telling God, here am I, send me to declare this word of judgment. Did you know that? I will go, Lord, to tell the world that destruction and judgment is coming. Did you know you were singing that? And then in the New Testament reading, and, you know, it's, it's really crazy. Why would, why would the church choose these texts for Advent? And we've been preaching out of these Advent texts for centuries. The New Testament reading is all about the preparation, preparing for the coming of the Christ with John the Baptist. And John the Baptist's role prophesied from the Old Testament is the one to prepare the way of the Lord. So John was to prepare the world for the coming of the Christ. So how did John prepare the world for the coming of Jesus? Matthew chapter 3, what Phil read. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea to prepare the world for the coming of the Lord by declaring, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then when, when John the Baptist saw the Pharisees and the Sadducees, John the Baptist screams out, you, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? And then Jesus picks up the same theme later on in chapter 23 of Matthew. When Jesus sees the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Jesus says, You snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Jeez, Merry Christmas. So I've been looking at these texts rubbing my head, and that's why it's like this. It's all gone. <laughs> Going, gee, it's supposed to be a happy time. It's supposed to be a merry time. What do you want me to say with this? This is judgment. How is this loving, God? How is this kind? And then it dawned on me, you see, we have a problem with judgment. We have a problem with judgment. You know why? We're often at the end of the judgment, recipients of judgment. But more importantly, we've only experienced bad examples and ex of what judgment is. But the Bible doesn't view judgment that way. You see, the Bible looks at judgment really as truth-telling. To judge something is to correctly declare, correctly identify, to tell the truth. Hey, this is a black 
sweater. That's the truth. That's judgment. This is a black sweater. That's a black chair. To judge something means to correctly identify something. To judge something means merely to see the thing as it really is, to see the truth. That's how the Bible views judgment. So how can judgment be kind and loving? Listen, because judgment precedes salvation. You see, what judgment does is it convicts us as sinners. And only when we recognize ourselves as sinners are we ready to turn to Jesus as Savior. But you will never turn to Jesus as Savior as long as you think you're okay. As long as you do not see yourself as a sinner, as long as you think you're okay, you will never seek out a Savior. It's only when we see ourselves as sinners deserving of God's wrath and judgment because it's true, I am a sinner. Are we ready to turn to Jesus as our Savior from sin and death? You can't get to salvation without confession and repentance and saying, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. You can't get to salvation without judgment. Salvation is never a reward for the righteous. Good job. You are all good people. Salvation is always a gift for the guilty. You are found guilty, and yet God sends grace And God will send his son to die on behalf of sinners so that not one should perish. That's grace. That's that's all God. That's loving. That's kind. That's amazing. Look, no one in their right mind on their own goes to the heart surgeon and says, Hey, hey, doc, what say you cut me open? Take a hacksaw to my ribcage, saw me in half, then get in there and mess with a bunch of stuff, and then sew me back up so that I'm messed up and in pain and bedridden for a week with months of recovery before I ever start feeling like a human being again. Let's do that. I did that. You know who does that? Dying people do that. Only a dying person seeks out a savior. Aha. Aha. Who would seek Jesus as a savior? Who would submit and admit that I cannot do life on my own? This is too complicated. This is too painful. I can't do it. Who would humble themselves to accept that there is nothing I can do to earn or merit God's grace or escape God's coming judgment and the wrath of God? Who would do this? Only sinners would. Only sinners turn to God. Only those who recognize their sinful selves, only sinners who are at their wit's end and can't do anything else, seeks out a Savior and humbly cries out, Save me!
That's the point of judgment. It leads us to the point where we realize there's nothing I can do on my own. Everything you say about me, God, everything you say about me in the word, it's all true. I am guilty. I am a sinner in need of a savior. I deserve your wrath. It's all true, God. And only when you are at your wit's end will you bend your knee and declare, save me. Judgment tells us that the day of reckoning is coming and that it will be terribly frightening. But the point of judgment is not punishment. Jesus, the Son of God, comes in the form of a baby in order to grow up to bear the brunt of God's wrath on the cross so that no one should perish. No one has to die in their sin. God has, God has made a way in Jesus Christ to transform sinners into saints, and this is already done for us. This has already been done. Judgment does not have to get the last word. Salvation, grace, love is the last word, and the way you get to salvation grace and love is through judgment. That's why judgment is loving and kind. Because it tells us the secret to get ourselves right with God. It's all grace. And here's the problem, friends. Every single one sitting here, you have spouses, siblings, you have parents, you have sons and daughters, you have friends who do not know they are sinners, who do not know they face a judgment that is totally unnecessary, and they are dying in their sin, and we're just going to watch and say, you're, you're, you're right, you're doing fine, you're fine just the way you are. And condemned to hell? And condemn people that you love to hell? Is that what we're going to do? You see why judgment is kind and loving? Because judgment gets us to the point where we declare, God, I need only what you provide. We started this sermon by asking a question. How are these words of judgment? Loving and kind. Couldn't we just do warm fuzzies for a couple of weeks so we can escape the cruddy world we live in? Couldn't we do that? Let me ask you, is that what we really want? A mere escape from reality? You see, what... What we need is not an escape. What we need is a transformed world. What we need is a world where cancer is obliterated. 
What we need is a world where war is no more and violence is no more. What we need is a world where, where divorce is no more and broken families are no more and destruction is no more and there are no more wars, no more disease, no more cancer. What we need is the kingdom of God and that pathway is through judgment so that we can confess our sin and receive Jesus and receive the kingdom of God for in Jesus, the kingdom of God is at hand, but the pathway through there is to bow your knee and to confess with your lips, Jesus, save me. You see why judgment, truth-telling is kind and loving? I don't want an escape for two weeks to return to the mess of this world. I want to change the world. I want the kingdom of God. Judgment precedes salvation, and that's why it's good news. You want to know how to prepare for the coming of the king? Confess, I am a sinner. Repent. Forgive me, God. Save me. So, Merry Christmas, you snakes. <laughs> Merry Christmas, you brood of vipers. Christ has come to pay the debt of sin so that no one should perish. That's why the advent of Christ is good news. Judgment is for the purpose of salvation. Judgment, truth-telling, is kind and loving. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much for your truth-telling. You tell us the truth not to condemn us, not to punish us so that we would come to the point where we would receive the most incredible gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. We don't earn it. We don't merit it. You just grant it to us as a gift. So friends, with your heads bowed, if those of you who are here and those of you watching or listening online, if you've never received Jesus as Lord and Savior, the pathway is to bow your knee, to humble yourself before God, and to declare, I am a sinner. Save me. And if you'd like to do that, the way you do that is to say in your own words, Jesus, I am a sinner. I can't do this life on my own. So save me. I receive you as Lord and Savior. And I choose to follow your will. If you've prayed that, welcome. Welcome to the family of faith. You do not do this Christian journey on your own. You're going to need a church family. And we would love to be that church for you and with you. So if you've made that prayer confession, do let us know. Hey, God, for the rest of us, man, help us to get better. 
at loving, telling the truth, not as a jerk, not to punish, not to make others feel guilty. But God, we are all sinners in need of a Savior, and we've got to get to the point where we recognize and confess our sins. And so, Lord, help us as a church to be better truth-tellers. For every single one of us has friends, loved ones, who do not know you, who do not see themselves as sinners. So God, help us as a church to be better truth-tellers so that we can genuinely declare, here am I, Lord. Send me to declare the truth that God has sent the Son to save sinners. Thank you. Thank you for saving me, saving us. You are a great and awesome God. We give you thanks. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Lakewood Grace Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and then head on over to lakewoodgrace.com slash connect where you'll find a link to contact us or you can fill out a communication card. Have a wonderful week. God bless.